Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. Hello, listeners. I got a little nighttime bonus for you here. This episode was originally planned as a premium feed exclusive, but I'm adding it here in the free feed as a thank you for the tremendous response I received to last episode's request for support in the Best of Halifax survey. If you happen to miss that episode or didn't hear my request, let me remind you. There's an annual survey in my city called the Best of Halifax. In this survey, businesses, people, and services are nominated as best in their individual categories. I'm proud to say that Nighttime has been nominated in the category of Best Podcast. And with a moment of your time, I think I have a good chance of bringing the award home. But first, let's be clear, this isn't about a corny plaque on my wall. The recognition that comes with the Best of Halifax Award will make the show more attractive to future guests I may invite to appear. And hopefully, it'll increase my chances of sharing their stories with you. So please support me by hitting pause and visiting nighttimepodcast.com. The first thing you'll see is a link to the vote. And this isn't one of those complicated voting things. My mom, who doesn't understand the difference between a text message and a Facebook messenger message, managed to vote in about 45 seconds. Let's see if you can beat her record. Again, visit nighttimepodcast.com and click vote. I appreciate it. Now let's get to the bonus episode. You are tuned to the Nighttime Podcast, focused on the fringe of Canada. Hello, listeners. In tonight's episode, I'm going to share a conversation I had with frequent nighttime guest and the beloved Canadian UFO researcher, Chris Rutkowski. In our conversation, which I've titled simply UFO Night in Canada, Chris and I discuss the phenomenon of UFOs and review some recent reports that have been received via the UFOs Above Canada Facebook group. So let's get into it. Tonight, in this episode of Nighttime, it's UFO Night in Canada. Chris Rakowski, it's it's been too long. I think this is probably your longest hiatus uh, between <laughs> between appearances here. It's been a couple months. How have you been? Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's been okay. You know, the uh, uh, chugging along on some projects and the UFO reports keep coming in, and uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting time for ufology right now, especially Canadian ufology. Yeah, well, that's what we're here for tonight. Tonight is that's right. This is this is UFO night in Canada. Can you believe it? It is UFO night in Canada. And what? And speaking of that, what I wanted to ask you about, just to start it right off, is uh, I saw you cut your name come up in a survey that was done about Canadian UFO experiences or experiencers. What is the story with this survey that was done? Oh well, um, yeah, there was a. You know what's interesting? You can tell that the that the pandemic is uh, is kind of on the wane in some places not necessarily in in all places obviously but the tv shows are coming back yeah and um uh for the since uh you know the the end of 2019 you know a lot of tv production uh slowed down um and uh, things were not being done but even despite that uh in um at the end of 2020 and the beginning of of uh of this year um, you know, there are a bunch of TV shows reached out. Uh, I did two shows uh, in in studios, um, and so that was interesting because you know they had to all have uh, have all the protocols in place, and everybody had to be so far away and and uh, that type of thing. Um, so they're you know they slowed down a little bit, and one of the ones that approached me was a was a show Encounter UFO uh from um uh and i think it's on history no, or is that just, discovery oh, a and e oh yeah not a and e t and e yeah travel and entertainment that's yeah. what that is different than arts and entertainment a whole yeah. different genre yeah and so um a number of us were filmed for that myself uh, uh mj benias uh i know stan maholic was also filmed and a few other people for that so um, in fact, I think the episode uh, about Falcon Lake uh, was either this week or is coming up next week. Okay. Um, 
so I actually don't know what what they used um so we'll we get to find out but uh, yeah they did a number of interesting cases uh shag harbor i, I think was included in the series um so as promo for that particular show they um contracted um uh, a, a polling company uh, uh at the, the ipsos to do mm -hmm. a, a survey of uh, canadians about ufos and uh, so they, you know, produced that in conjunction with that. Um, is something a little odd that um, one of the questions was uh, something along the lines of I don't have it in front of me, uh, mm -hmm. but something along the lines of uh, you know, do you think the government should be better prepared to fight off an alien invasion or something <laughs> like that? Which is a strange, strange. Whole yeah, question. that's that's jumping right into the deep end on the survey. Yeah. So, you know, you get the idea that it was done by a TV company. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the general question, um, you know, do you believe that uh, the government is suppressing information about UFOs? Or do you believe that intelligent life exists and so forth um, was actually right in there? In fact, the, the results were a little bit better than uh, than I had thought uh, that, uh, you know, the, the number of people, the percentage of people who believe in UFOs was was greater. Again, I don't have it in front of me. Mm. Uh, but it was, you know, somewhere around the 50 to 60% range. So it was actually pretty, pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they actually had a thing about, uh, have you seen a UFO? And the, the percentage was around 10%, which is something that's very, very consistent. Mm -hmm. uh, we get this all the time uh, with polls uh, like that have always asked uh, a question like that. That's a similar result. And it's consistent with what we believe. So about one in 10 people believe they've seen UFOs and it's not just Canada, it's also the United States. So you can say one in 10 North Americans believe they've seen UFOs, which is fairly significant. So out of mm -hmm. Canadian population of let's, let's call it 40 million. So, you know, 4 million people believe they've seen UFOs. So, you know, Canada has some really good cases. And um, since this is UFO night in Canada, um, uh, I, I, I know that you uh, have this link in uh, on your website for people to report UFOs. Oh, I sure do. And I've been you getting... Have some, you have some cases that you want to maybe talk about? Oh, man, I got a bunch of them. And not only do I have cases, I have a eyewitness interview on my phone that I want to play for you for one of my favorite cases. In fact, uh, I'll start with that. So okay, okay. In, in ufology, ufology, you often hear this idea, the concept of like a flap, which is the way I understand it is like an increased um, number of cases in a short amount of time. Like all of a sudden, you know, you have 12 cases over Nova Scotia. You would call that a flap, right? Yeah, like that's the yeah, idea. Yeah. Okay. So I, I had one and for people listening who don't get this, uh, there's a spot on my website where you could fill out, you know, the date, the location, what you saw, and it's a little form you fill out. It sends the information to me in an email, and I generally pass it along to you because I, I want the data used to to be uh, considered in your Canadian UFO survey that you release every year right. of the annual data. But I read it. And if it's something really interesting, I'll contact the people who submit it. And I even have one of the questions that are like, are you interested in talking to listeners at nighttime podcast mm -hmm. about this? Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's the background on this. But one day I got the first report from this one area, uh, the area was called Anaping Lake. I think I talked to you about this before privately. It's mm -hmm. it's outside of Sudbury, Ontario. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll, I'll read you a little bit of the first report and then I'll read you the ones that followed after. So this is a situation where multiple people saw this. So the first report that I got, the location was Anaping Lake. It was June 12th of 2021 at about 11 p.m. The witness describes a massive object of indeterminable size, bright and star-like, flying in triangle figure eight type shapes. Uh, it would look like it was coming at me and then it would stop and zoom away, move up and down and seem to travel hundreds of kilometers in the sky in seconds. It would disappear, reappear and hover. It lasted for 20 to 30 minutes, made no sounds, generally yellow to white in color. So what they're describing is a large object, but they do say of indeterminable size that's just flying through the sky in uh, mm. a bizarre pattern. So that that was the first one that came through. So you, right. you don't have to get your opinion yet. Yeah. Because 
two hours later, I think, after I got that report through my website, I got another person in the same area. It's not Anaping Lake. The second report is from somewhere called Halfway Lake Provincial Park. When I look at a map, it's right next to Anaping Lake. Uh, the same night, the 12th of June, 2021, this report is at roughly 11.30 p.m., so about a half hour later. They described the sighting as a really bright ball-like object that looked to be flying pretty low and extremely fast. It had a light trail, which disappeared almost uh, almost instantly. They say it lasted, or they could, it was visible in the sky for just about one to two seconds, but it, it may have been visible longer, but the witness was surrounded by trees. So they really just lost sight of it behind the trees that they were surrounded by. Mm -hmm. So when I got the second report, I was like, whoa, like that's, you know, two unrelated people in the same area. So I put a little thing up on my website saying like, if anyone saw anything, you know, in the Sudbury area, contact me. When I put that up, I think I got six more the next day of people in that same area that were unconnected, but had seen something. Uh, I contacted them all by email saying like, you know, I, I'm getting a bunch of reports from this area and it sounds like you're describing something similar. And I was asking them if I, if I could chat with them. The third person who reported after these two I just read agreed. I called him, we chatted about what he saw and I recorded it. So we'll listen to him. His name's Daryl. Uh, we'll, we'll hear what he has to say and then you can give me your idea of what you think these people are seeing. Okay. The first story I got sent to me was somebody who saw something weird above Anaping Lake. I think yours, you were probably the second or third who sent something. Where are you in relation to Anaping Lake? Like how far from that? Are so you? I'm probably about 35 minute drive from Anaping Lake. Um, I'm in Dowling, Ontario, which is about 10 minutes from Anaping and Lavac. Okay. And yeah. the, the witness who saw the, the first report I got in Anaping Lake, they said it was around 11 p.m. that they saw it. Yours is like basically that exact same time? That's Yeah. So, so I was actually, I thought it was about that same time. I was probably a little bit later than that. It was probably closer to two. Okay. Well, well, tell me, tell me where you were and what you saw and how it went down. Walk me through it. Well, I was sitting uh, at my house and my back to the door. So I was facing out and... I just saw this thing come out of, it looked like out of nowhere. Like it looked like it was far away and it kind of came closer. Like it didn't come like over the distance or anything over the tree lines. And when it came across, it was going really slow, but it was massive. And at first mm -hmm. it had like things like, um, they looked like tails, like streamers out the back. And as it was going by, it was so white that I thought, this just looked like an actual object, right? And, and did you see it? Like when, it, when you saw it, did it clear the entire skyline or was it just kind of a flash? And like, a Oh, that was the weird thing. It didn't really like, you see like a plane or something. It kind of looks like it's going on an arc. Mm -hmm. Well, this was straight across. And like I said, it kind of came out of nowhere and it went straight across the sky. And then as it disappeared, it just kind of got further and further away until I couldn't see it. So it didn't really like go down over like a tree line or that that's what really stuck out to me right away was the way it worked. Like it didn't seem like, you know, something in the sky that would kind of like arc and disappear behind a tree line or even like the horizon. Mm -hmm. It just kept going straight across. Any sound or anything? Like it's a large object or, or it seems to be a large object. Could you hear anything or sense yeah. anything? So, so that was the, like the eeriest part to me was that this huge thing is gone and it looks like there's like violent explosions behind it and no sound at all. I didn't hear that's anything. Not. Like nothing. Because that's what I was waiting for was like the shrill of like a firework or something. Because I guess my mind was that was the only place it went was it has to be a firework, right? Like... Mm -hmm. It's definitely not a shooting star. It's not a plane or a helicopter or anything like that. So it's got to be. But again, like I said, it was weird with no sound whatsoever. Yeah. And another part of this is weird. And you you kind of alluded to this in the report you sent me is you, you were kind of left with an odd feeling afterwards. And I know you're probably yeah. not too comfortable explaining it. But what like, tell me about that. What How did you feel about this? Well, as it was going across the sky, I remember looking at it. And when I tried to focus on a part of it, it kind of like, 
I don't even know how to explain it. It almost like it, it went out of focus or it was like, uh, almost like hard to see, like it was just like blurry. And then I, my eyes would go to a different part of it. And as I was looking at it, we kind of do the same thing, kind of go out of focus just in that spot. And then my eyes would go somewhere else and the same thing would happen. So it was really, really weird. And I just remember being like, like having just like a general confusion. Like I wasn't sure what to think, you know, I think in the moment I felt like a, like connected to this thing in a way where it was like cognizant of me, I guess. Like it, it was like, it almost like it knew that I was there kind of, I don't know. It was weird, man. So that's what, uh, that's how Daryl remembers it. Hmm. So the, his, although more detail when you hear him describe it, but it's, very much in line with all of the other reports uh, describing it. My, my first instinct when I hear it, I go to like shooting star, comet, meteorite mm-hmm. kind of thing, because they're describing a bright object with a tail. And that's mm-hmm. immediately what I think of. But, and I, as I was as he was talking, I was watching your face and I know your mind was going there as well. Is, is that what you're thinking they may have experienced? Yeah, especially the the explosions going behind it as it's going. Yeah, that's very typical of a bolide. Uh, bolide is a, a very bright fireball. Uh, a, a typical shooting star is about the size of a grain of sand. Um, and it's just going so fast when it hits the atmosphere, it burns up and that's how we see it. Uh, but fireballs and bolides are a little bit bigger. They can be like baseball sized, some up to the size of refrigerators, that type of thing. Um, and when they burn up, they fragment. And when they do that, there's this sparking effect. So that kind of sounds like that. Um, it, it, it's interesting that um, for uh, the uh, uh, the one at Onaping Lake, um, it, it's interesting that, that people have a, a lot of trouble putting into words what they're seeing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, and, and uh, if, quoting from his report, it says, a massive object of indeterminable size, bright star-like light. So it's massive but it's a star-like light. And you see, when I think of massive, I'm thinking, oh, wow, this thing is like the size of a car or a truck in the sky, but it's a star-like light. So you, 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 our mind goes to the idea that, that if we see something in the sky that's, that's you know, moving around, it must be very large because usually things in the sky that move around like airplanes are, are quite large. Um, so, uh, to 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 uh, you know to have something described as massive but also like a star, um, to me makes me think that it was uh, it, something was just appearing to be uh, very massive and large, but it was actually a star-like light hmm. very far away. That, I mean that that's just you know where it seems to be going. I'm not sure if that's what was really there, uh, but the fact that it was one of several cases the same night. Uh, suggest well first of all we know there was something seen because we have multiple witnesses not all at the same time but multiple reports so that suggests that there was something definitely in the sky mm-hmm. um, Sudbury by the way has had uh, quite a lot of uh, UFO reports it's so close to uh, Falcon Bridge uh, the, the Canadian Forces base where in the 70s uh, there were many cases uh, of UFOs that were reported. In fact, some cases where objects were seen kind of similar to what was being described uh, this year, uh, but enough so that uh, jets from the United States just across the border uh, were uh, in the area and they were sent to investigate as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, by the way, I document this in my upcoming book, Canada's UFOs Declassified. And um, the... Um, so we have all these reports coming at the same time. So we know that something was really seen. Um, but the, the downside of that is that because we have so many reports that suggest a real physical object was seen, the likelihood of this having an explanation is actually very high. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the good is that we have a lot of witnesses. The bad is that chances are there's a good explanation for it. Um, so I'm leaning in the direction of some sort of fireball, especially the description of sparks coming off the tail. And, mm-hmm. you know, not all bolides have tails, but most do. 
Um, so that's kind of what I'm thinking. The one from Onaping is strange because it was making, uh, was it triangular figure eights? Uh, what am I looking at? Here? Yeah, the, the, like you said, they uh, had a hard time describing what they saw, it seems. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Star-like light that flew in triangles, figure eights, would look like it was coming, right? So it seems like it was maybe doing triangles and figure eights. Uh, when well, sorry, I, it was going around like this, yeah. When yeah. I read it, I'm just thinking sporadically moving around the sky, not yeah, yeah, traveling like what you would expect. Yeah, and th so that's actually a little more different than what the other reports are. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, I still do get quite a few reports uh, per year of these lights that, you know, appear and then they disappear and then they're over here and then they zoop back and, you know, there could be several of them in the sky at the same time. We do get those types of reports. And quite frankly, I'm not sure what those are because if they're not moving in a linear fashion, that doesn't sound like a plane, doesn't sound like a drone. Mm -hmm. You know, what po one possible explanation is that uh, when you see a flash of light here, and then you see it over there, you think, well, it's moved over there, but it could actually be two different objects. Um, and if it's moving in a, in a, if you see a flash of light here and a flash of light there and a flash of light there, you think it's moving in a triangle when in fact it could be something moving in a nice arc. I, I don't know, mm. um, but we do get these types of reports relatively frequently. And it's really hard to, to understand what people are uh, are seeing in many cases so we don't have all the answers and i think that's that's an important uh, note to make yeah um with one last question about this one and we'll move on to another report that i have for you is uh like i i know major astronomical events there's there's a record of you know certain you know um halley's comet or whatever like but but our smaller ones is there a record of like what's happening in the sky in terms of like smaller fireballs and comets and bolides and such yeah as a matter of fact uh there is an organization called MIAC, um and um uh, and a few others there's a canadian version too which records uh fireball events and i'm just gonna call this up right now um meteor fireball report maybe something like that uh american meteor society mm -hmm. and as a matter of fact we can look up uh fireball sightings 2021 mm -hmm. And this was uh, June twelfth. Were these reports just by chance? If you can search it, that'd be right. amazing. And and just to give you an idea, uh, there are ooh, I don't know a hundred reports on this. No, maybe not. Maybe thirty or forty reports on this page, and there's a hundred and nine pages just for twenty twenty one. Wow! And it tells you where they. Uh, where they have been seen with well, this is all I'm just going through. It says August. So as a UFO investigator, this is the kind of thing that you're doing. You're, you're, you're thinking of the most likely explanations and trying to figure out, you know, what, what matches. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a, it's, it's a tool for trying to understand what people are, uh, are have been seeing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there, you can go to a, a star charts, uh, some people uh, for aircraft go to uh, flight trackers and, and things like that. Um, and uh, it's, uh, uh, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, using an, a, a number of uh, organizations to, uh, or a number of sources for trying to understand what, what it is that people were seeing. Mm -hmm. And I'm just looking here, we've got 427 Atlantic time. Uh, there was a bright fireball seen over Prince Edward Island. The day before, there was one seen 11 o'clock at night, June the 11th, over Ontario. Hmm. Uh, actually, oh, there's another one, uh, June the 11th. So June the 12th, not, I mean, the one in Prince Edward Island is a little too far for... And early in the day, uh, too. Yeah, yeah. So the, the short answer is no. Mm -hmm um but um that doesn't automatically rule it out because uh this is th these are things that have been reported to the american meteor society yeah, i'm so, going to assume extraterrestrial then 
Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> specifically uh, zeta reticuli in this case. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got another one for you. This is a historic case. People still. This kind of surprises me. Is people will report through the portal on my website things that happened, you know, thirty years ago. Uh, but this, but here's one from Regina, Saskatchewan, and, and the ones that I have on my phone here are ones that were reported in the last month. So these are all new reports although some of these are from are historic in nature so this is regina saskatchewan the 15th of september 1985. Okay. so it's at 7 p.m the witness along with two friends they were 12 year old at 12 years old at the time were playing in the yard when what looks like complex schematics projected onto the lawn we were playing on hmm. it was not just on the lawn it was it was just on the lawn with nothing overhead, no noise, and it was clear. It lasted about thirty seconds. Um, let's see what else how else they describe it. The shape of the object, complex geometric shapes projected on the grass from above. There was no sound, and then after thirty seconds, it vanished. So that's all the detail. Yeah, not your standard UFO report either. No, um, and, you, and you do in your survey, you have like a weirdness meter or strangeness. Strangeness, this, uh, yeah, this would be up there. This yeah. would be up there. Um, yeah. And what I, do you do with these cases? Because, you know, they're too long ago to investigate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can't try and find corroborating witnesses from, you know, how many years ago that is. Yeah, and uh, even if he mentions he was with two friends but they were 12 years old so even if you could find them now you have to question memory and the way a story kind of grows yeah. with time and it's possible that he's the only one who saw it really mm. you know uh sometimes ufo experiences are very selective and only appear to one person i've had cases where pe two people standing next to one another and only one saw a ufo that was like right over their heads or something like that mm. um and uh you know again what do you do with these cases and, and and we don't add these cases by the way into the canadian ufo survey uh because even though well no 85 was before the first one um but one of the things i'm doing now with with uh, the the some of my assistants is we're backfilling canadian ufo uh cases and we're trying to compile a, a database of you know canadian ufo cases going back how many years we need to i mean uh, the National Research Council, you know, and uh, archives does have some of this sort of stuff online, uh, but there's many cases that were never reported to them. And so we're looking for uh, other cases and we're going through journals and magazines and newspaper accounts and uh, investigators files and we're finding thousands of, of cases. So in theory, this could be added into that batch as well. So you're in, so you're finding these old cases and then dumping them into prior surveys to yeah, not a it won't be a press survey, but it'll be a database, I guess, that we're going to make a an analysis of and and uh, uh, you know discuss in some detail. I, I want to get to a case that uh, I just sent to you today. Okay. Um, and I I want to bring it up because it's it shows you that there are some uh, interesting cases that don't seem to fit some other categories and and seem puzzling in other ways. Uh, this just this comes from this month, September the first, uh, Pinery Park, Ontario, which is on the um, the east shore of Lake Huron, and so it's sort of northwest of Toronto. Okay. Um, uh, eight o'clock at night. So what it, uh, the gist is that uh, two people were on the shore enjoying the sunset, and this of course is facing out into the lake, facing the northwest. Uh, so sorry, the south it sits on the southeast shore, so they were facing the northwest. Um, so the sun went down, but it was still bright out. They were watching the beautiful red sunset, and they said about 15 minutes after sunset, um, they saw objects that were dark and in the distant sky, and they thought initially they were planes, and one of them thought, Oh, well, maybe it's just a cloud, but they uh, focused on it for like five minutes and they saw a second object and it turns out eventually they saw I think they said they saw eight objects all together sort of moving slowly and ponderously across the sky uh, 
with the said, an analogy would be standing somewhere near to an airport and watching jets approaching landing and wondering how something so large can move at an apparent slow speed and not fall out of the sky. Hmm. Um, now, the you know, it's an interesting report, these dark objects, but we do have photos. Oh, uh, they did send photos um, uh, with this. Um, and sure enough, you can see the sunset over the, the lake. And you see these dark objects that are a little triangular-ish, perhaps. Um, and they're definitely some distance away, hard to tell. Um, but, you know, they watch this for, for some time. And they say uh, it, it looked like they were starting to come towards the shore. These objects were starting to come towards the shore. And the witnesses felt afraid. They felt as if they better get off the beach, and they did. And wow. so, um, so just a matter of uh, you know a half an hour, they said, you know, let's let's get off this beach. So they they left, and um, uh, that was the end of uh, of the sighting. Do you and, have any any theories on what it may have been in the sky? Well, I, you know, I'm not sure. If I, it hadn't been for the photos, I I I might have just said, well. You know, that's the same day it turns out that um, uh, that was just before the Toronto Air Show. That's some distance from Toronto, but it's, you know, what, what 100 kilometers, so not too bad. Um, but when you see these objects, slowly, ponderously, if they were doing that for about half an hour all over the lake like that, just at sunset, no lights associated with it, um, not sure about that. The next thing that popped into my mind was simply because they seemed a little bit irregular um, was starlings uh, that we do get these murmurings uh, reported of starlings and, and a murmuring are these uh, the, these black shapes that morph into different shapes as you're watching them in the distance and they're flights of thousands of, of starlings that are moving in the sky right at sunset. And um, they, they look really weird. I've seen them a couple of times myself. And if you don't know what they are, you just think there's this amorphous blob, you know, transmuting between dimensions as, <laughs> as you're looking at it. It's really weird. Um, and uh, other than that, I, I, I'm not sure what this was, but, uh, uh, you know, the witness was very credible. As a matter of fact, the witness actually reported this, uh, not to me originally, the witness reported this to um, the Coast Guard, and the Coast Guard referred uh, the witness to me. Wow. Uh, so, you know, there's some interesting stuff uh, associated with this case. So this was September 1st, so not that long ago. And uh, it just shows that the number of cases are uh, maybe down overall, but the reports still keep coming in. And I'm not sure. It could be that while the MUFON reports are down, uh, New Fork reports are down, but it could be that people are reporting things through social media, um, uh, like Facebook, like uh, uh, like your website, and uh, that the cases are, are still going to be coming in. So uh, it will be interesting to see by the end of the year whether the numbers are, are, are going to be uh, maintaining a, uh, an upward trend, a downward trend, or reacting to what's happening in the States in some fashion. I got, I got another one that I'm just, I'm scrolling through the different reports that I got in this one. Okay. I, I okay. think I, it on me. I think I may have mentioned this one to you before. This is another one that's going to be high up on the strangeness. Meter. Okay. So yeah. this is uh, from the town is called Day Barretts, Ontario. D-E-S-B-A-R-A-T-S. -S. Oh, Debray, I think. Debray, Ontario. Yeah. Uh, 20th of November, 2018. So get this. Okay. The witness describes... An alien disguised as a fly. It was flying around in their kitchen oh, yeah. when they realized, it, and then I realized, and then I thought, why is there a fly in the dead of winter? So I hit the fly. The alien came out of the body of the fly and revealed itself in front of me. But then they go on to say that I feel that explaining this is going to be a lot easier than typing it. So that's how the report ends. I've since been in touch with this person. Okay, yeah. And and something's going to come of this. They, um, it's not a joke. They have a serious story they're, that they're going to share. So that's in the future. 
but oh, okay. I guess at this point, um, the kind of research you do in UFOs, I don't think is going to be able to help give an idea of what may have happened to this person at this point. Yeah. And, and, you know, we don't know, like I say, we don't have explanations for everything. Um, there are cases that, that simply defy explanation. And, uh, yes. I know that hardcore debunkers would just say, well, you know, the guy's been smoking a little too much, uh, wacky weed or, or, or whatever. <laughs> you sound like my um, dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, interesting. And to counter that, of course, we very rarely get reports from people who are high or, or drunk. Very, very rarely. Um, and, and, you know, uh, you know, maybe a person might have had a couple of beers as they were sitting on their patio or something. That wouldn't cause a UFO sighting anyways. So, um, uh, but the, the strangeness factor uh, is, um, is something that ufology has had to contend with. I mean, things that don't seem that, that seem logical, don't seem logical at all, that, that don't seem to be easily classifiable like a lot of ufo cases you know date time location what did the saucer shaped object do or anything like that mm -hmm. but we do get these unusual cases and you know um there were um uh uh cases in the 70s that i investigated there's one where a, a fellow was driving his car uh um uh early early morning um thinking like four or five in the morning and he's driving his car and he he sees this metallic silver disc over the road um and it's sort of shimmering as he's as he's watching it as he drives his car underneath it and he thinks well that's pretty freaky he continues to drive and just about a, a kilometer further um his headlights pick up um these three and he described them three bowling pin shaped of uh, cute creatures you know narrow heads bulbous and then yeah you know like that the dad bod um, i think they call that for the which one the dad bod is that the shape? dad bod okay yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um and there's they're right in the middle of the road and he had actually started accelerating because he wanted to get home he was a little nervous because of the disc that he had seen and um he he, he the headlights picked them up um suddenly and he couldn't stop so he braced for impact and he says he went right through these things and he looked in his rearview mirror and they were behind him deflating as it getting smaller and and smaller and smaller well, i like freaked that. him out but he went to the rcmp <laughs> and said i just ran over three people and you can just imagine what happened after that. So, you know, what do you do with these cases? Well, um, with that one, I'm interested. There has to be a police report. If someone comes in the station saying, I just hit three guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, we, we have the report. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they had no idea. I mean, there was no evidence. They checked the car. There's no damage to the car. The RCMP went out to the site, nothing. Um, and I'm what sure the RCMP thought maybe he was drunk, but, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, there it's, it's on record as having happened. What, what do you do with cases like that? Yeah. Well, and, and it, it doesn't often turn out that way. That's reminding me of, uh, we talked about this story before is the Clarenville, Newfoundland in, I think mm -hmm. 78, the police officer, um, who worked for the RCMP at the time, constable Blackwood was his, is his name. Yeah. He's not a yeah. constable anymore, but he got a call of someone reporting an object in the sky. And it was coming from a, a person that he knew in this small town to be like, kind of like a drinker kind of guy. So he's like, Oh yeah. God, what's going on over there? He goes over to investigate and sure enough, the thing's still in the sky. He still sees it. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's still there. And now Blackwood is famous for, a UFO or for a police report that includes like, you know, and, and then I saw the UFO and we watched it together and, you know, so it's a, it, it could go either way, but, uh, I, I would have loved to been a fly on the wall when, when someone comes in to say, I just hit three people yeah, and there's exactly. no sign of those people. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so before we wrap it up, what's, what's next in the world of what are you working on now? You must have, a hundred TV shows. It seems like every time I hear from you, there's a, a new uh, TV show or news appearance. I guess it's like you've, before I answer the question is like, you have such a great reputation in Canada <laughs> for being um, 
into the phenomenon and having so much knowledge about it, but you're also, you're so like logical and reasonable. So it's so great to hear you discuss it. I'm well, sure that's, I'm that. sure that's why they come to you. Well, yeah, it is. And I, I want to say, you know, um, uh, that one debunker was posted something the other day said that, uh, you know, Krista Rakowski does it all for his ego and he's narcissistic and all this sort of stuff. And he doesn't give credit to anybody. I give credit to everybody who's out there who contributes to the Canadian UFO survey. I mean, I've got assistants who I credit all the time. Every year we, in our uh, database, uh, we indicate, you know, where the source is, whether it's MUFON, New Fork, or, or uh, from the general public. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've been working in the, in the shadows for, in the background for, for quite a few years. I've been at this since uh, the mid 1970s. And I, you know, I just started doing investigations uh, out of interest, uh, you know, in uh, uh, early university days. And uh, I've published, um, you know, uh, scientific uh, articles in peer-reviewed journals. I have, uh, I have articles in the uh, medical journal, uh, astronomy journals, psychology journals, um, and, and all from a scientific point of view. And, uh, you know, I, I make no bones about it. I, I say, you know, I, I've learned from, from experience. I've talked to so many people and uh, I give credit to, to you for, for the, uh, the show that, uh, that you do. Thank you. Uh, and for the websites that, that you've been involved with, um, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, it's a collective uh, hobby, I suppose, for a lot of people. There's a lot of interest and uh, it's something that people are, are fascinated with. And I think uh, what my approach is to be realistic, call a spade a spade and engage with individuals, listen to individuals and uh, you know, be willing to share the information. And, you know, uh, I've been. I have a, a, you know, I have the survey uh, blog. I have a, my own personal blog on UFOs where I try to present as many cases as possible, government documents and so forth. I've got a bunch of books that I want to, I want people to, to know some of what I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, my bookshelf doesn't have as many books in it anymore because I'm donating to the, to the archives, but I've got, you know, weird artifacts that people have given me ranging from, uh, uh, Snoo, the Reddit alien. That's what he's named by. That's what the oh. Reddit alien's called, by the way. I had no idea he had a name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to you know, beer, alien beer, um, booze, and and trinkets and and, and things like that. So it's an <laughs> yeah. interesting thing that people are fascinated with, uh, and there's a reason for that because we have this desire to understand what's really going on and are we alone in the universe? And the UFO phenomenon may not answer that. But uh, a lot of people believe so, and it does make us think about our position in the universe at the very least. Yeah. Uh, one topic I never planned to bring up, but since you talked about uh, donating some of your books and your archives, I got an email um, a few weeks ago from somebody who's serving as power of attorney for a now elderly but longtime Canadian UFO researcher, investigator, and what they're trying to do is figure out what they're going to do with this man's mm -hmm. archives. And they sent me photos of them, like uh, initially being like, are you or anyone you're in touch with interested in taking over this guy's stuff? And it's, um, it was, you know what I mean by like the big plastic tubs you would move for moving, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I, I have them in my uh, like my storage unit where I have my kids old clothes in them and stuff. But anyway, they had like, probably 15 of those full of papers and books and VHS tapes for people who have been doing this, like as long as you have, where does this stuff go? Like, I, I'm just imagining like when somebody's like downsizing, you're getting out of your house, going to your apartment or something, what, what happens with this stuff? Where did you donate yours? Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, that's, I, I had thought about what I was going to do with my own collection. Um, uh, and I actually had an old, um, uh, will, uh, that I had drawn up, oh, 25 years ago or something. And I just, you know, said, oh, I, I'm going to give it all to the center for UFO studies in the States. Cause at that time it was quite active and Alan Hynek and I were still talking and, and that type of thing before he passed away. And I thought, I'll just do that. Well, that went by the wayside. Um, and then the, 
University of Manitoba archives uh, archivist actually approached me because of the uh, uh, my involvement and said, what are you going to do with your stuff? Because the University of Manitoba archives actually has a huge collection of paranormal um, uh, materials. I think there's something like 40 or maybe it might be 50 separate collections of from people who passed on and donated their books, their um, their personal papers, their investigations, audio tapes, videotapes um, related to paranormal phenomena, mostly ghosts and cool. and uh, and things like that. But also there's some that were from people who had an interest in UFOs and they donated some some small collections of books. And so they wanted to know if I was in a, what I was going to do with mine. And I thought, well, this is an interesting way of doing it because uh, they were, you know, they said we we're going to probably digitize some stuff uh, to make it easier for people to access. Uh, the book collection itself is fairly substantial. Um, and so we, we did that. Um, and it's still in the process. Pa the pandemic put it on hold for a while because we couldn't access the, the archives and it was actually closed down. We've started up again. I donated probably 25 or 30 boxes more uh, over the past month or so. But it's a good question. What do you do with this sort of stuff? Um, and it turns out that Canada actually has some pretty decent collections in this regard. Uh, in addition to what's happening at the University of Manitoba, the University of Ottawa has the Arthur Bray collection. Arthur Bray was a very um, active uh, UFO investigator and, and researcher. Um, and uh, uh, his collection uh, is at the University of Ottawa in its archives. Um, Bray was most notable because he gave a presentation to the Canadian Senate uh, about UFOs uh, to the Science Council. So, uh, no, sorry, to the, uh, the Science Policy Committee or something like that. I forget what it was now. But um, uh, so he, he was very active in, and most of that was donated within the past 25 years or so. I think somewhere in, in the 2000s of the last chunk. Um, and uh, John Musgrave, uh, the Alberta researcher, uh, amazing guy, his collection was actually acquired by MUFON um, and is somewhere down in MUFON uh, in the United States right now. Um, so there are these collections across, and of course, everybody knows about Stan Friedman's collection. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, being uh, in, shown at a museum. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, uh, so there's if some interesting collections uh, across. So there are there is some uh, a movement right now to, to do that. Jan Aldrich, um, uh, a historian on UFOs, is has a tremendous effort with uh, Barry Greenwood and a few others to uh, digitize UFO papers. And I think they've managed to digitize most of QFOS. They've acquired all of NICAP. Um, they've digitized tremendous, like, I don't know how many tens of thousands of pages now. There's an ongoing project funded through the Fund for UFO Research to um, try and put some of this material online. As a matter of fact, I one of the things I'm doing now is I'm going through some of their records, looking for Canadian cases, and I'm finding some some amazing stuff. Uh, so uh, there is a, a concerted effort, um, and um, the the one that I think is most preeminent is. Uh, um, it's, it's Afu, um, and I'm trying to remember the. What I don't know how you keep all the acronyms. Yeah, right. Basically, it's it's in Scandinavia. It's in um, uh, Sweden. I think it's Sweden. <laughs> anyways, anyways, they have a huge archive. All the UFO magazines, all the UFO publications, mm. the little magazines, the little newsletters, case files, books. They're all in this fantastic library. Uh, in Scandinavia, and a lot of them are being digitized. As a matter of fact, they have a site you can go to, uh, afu.se, um, where you can look and read UFO magazines from the 50s, um, the glossy cool. stuff, the, the yeah. newsletters. That's the stuff uh, I love is those old, doc those old, like, kind of like fanzines, the like yeah, independent yeah. magazines from 60s and 70s. That's when stuff was awesome. Yeah, yeah, and so there's a big effort right now to preserve this this type of information, mm -hmm. and there's some real gems in there, absolutely. Great. Well, I'm going to look into that. But anyway, I, I appreciate your time tonight. I always enjoy hearing you discuss both the current events and what's going on in the world, but also uh, looking at the individual cases. So I appreciate you doing this with me. 
Okay, thank you. Great to do it. Keep up the good work. Last thing, you're you're you have a book coming out soon. Yes, uh, it was supposed to be out in in uh, June or July. It's been delayed until autumn. I don't know what that means, but uh, <laughs> coming out soon. It's uh, you you can uh, look it up on uh, uh, online already. It's Canada's UFOs declassified, and it's all about some interesting cases that are buried in the Library uh, and Archives Canada. Well, I want a signed copy when it comes out. Uh, yes, yeah, it'll be available for, you know, 20 bucks or 25 bucks, but for you, 30. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, thank you so much, my friend. Until next time. Okay, thanks. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for joining Chris and I for UFO Night in Canada. If you've seen something you can't explain and you want to share it in a future UFO Night in Canada type episode, let me know. And with that, I'll wrap up this episode of Nighttime, but before we part, I'm going to give some thanks. First, a big thank you to Chris Rutkowski for sharing his evening with me and with the listeners of Nighttime. Next, a big shout out to Monty Data for contributing the music for this episode. It's a piece called Noir Tokyo. And lastly, I have a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, please subscribe to the premium feed. For about the price of a cup of coffee, you'll help keep the show alive and get a little bit more than what you'll get here on the free feed at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And with that said, let me thank the newest subscribers of the premium feed. Sierra, Chad, and Rose, thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing the episodes on social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. Also, if you have any story ideas or if you want to give me feedback on the show, you can find me at nighttimepodcast.com contact. And I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on the Nighttime Podcast YouTube channel. So until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte.